0: So, uh, welcome uh, to RUF. At RUF, we believe you're never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And at the same time, you're never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. Uh, And so that means that RUF is all about God's kindness. We believe that the Christian life is foundationally rooted in God's kindness to you. You You're given uh, the good life as a gift in Jesus. That's what the Christian life is all about. And this semester, we've been going through a series uh, called Who is Jesus?, and we're looking at these seven sayings that Jesus had in the Gospel of John where he says, I am blank. Um, tonight we're looking at him saying, I am the good shepherd. And why are we considering who Jesus is? Uh, we're considering that because we believe at RUF that who Jesus is is the most important thing to consider. Uh, there was a uh, 19th century Scottish preacher uh, named John Duncan. He said this. He said, Jesus either deceived mankind by conscious fraud or he himself was deluded and self-deceived, or he was divine. There is no getting out of this trilemma. That word trilemma, I don't know if it's actually a word. Uh, But what he means there is this C.S. Lewis says the same thing, that Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. He either uh, is trying to deceive people with the claims that he makes in the Gospels, or he himself is deceived and he's crazy and doesn't know what he's up to, or he is who he says he is. And that's kind of why we're considering who Jesus is this semester, because we think this is the most important question. And so tonight we're considering Jesus' fourth I am saying. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Uh, What does Jesus mean by this? Kind of our main theme for the night is that Jesus means to tell us that he is the best voice that we can listen to. Jesus means to tell us he is the best voice that we can listen to. Okay, so in saying, I am the good shepherd, uh, Jesus is not just telling us that he's the best voice that we can listen to. He's also telling us something about the voices that we already listen to. Uh, So if you remember, two weeks ago, we considered Jesus' saying where he said, I am the door. Uh, This saying here is just right after it. Uh, And if you remember that last time, that the context was really important. So in John chapter 9, which is right before this, Jesus has just healed this man who was born blind. And he is seen kind of in the temple at home with God and at home with his people. Uh, And the Pharisees, they see this guy, this guy who was uh, a person who was born blind, just living completely healthily at home with God and his people. And they're confronted by it because this man being healed, uh, it it confronts their worldview because their worldview was bad things happen to bad people. And so they didn't know what to do with a good thing like this happening to this bad person. They didn't know what to do with like a moral failure somehow belonging in God's people. And so Jesus, in response to that, he says, I am the door, right? I'm the one who lets the sinners in. I'm the one who gives people access to God. And then he's continuing on in his conversation, talking about the Pharisees. And he continues by saying, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And you might remember I mentioned that this language of shepherd and sheep, it's common throughout the Bible. Uh, God's people, especially in the Old Testament, are referred to as kind of like a flock. And the people who lead them are referred to as their shepherds. And in the time that Jesus is coming on the scene, the Pharisees would have been the shepherds of Israel. They would have been kind of like the loudest voice. Like if you're a person alive in Jesus's day and you're trying to think about like, how do I live a good life? The Pharisees would be the loudest voice. They would be the loudest voice telling you what you should do. Uh, They would have like answers for everything. Here's how you cut your hair. Here's how you spend your money. Here's how you raise your kids, all of that stuff. They had answers for how to live the good life. And so in calling himself the good shepherd, Jesus is drawing a contrast between himself and the Pharisees. He's saying, I am the good shepherd. They are not. I am the good shepherd and they are not. And what does he say specifically about them? Uh, He says it in verses 12 and 13. He says, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches and scatters them. He flees because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So what is Jesus saying about the Pharisees here? Um, he's saying that they're not actually shepherds. He's saying they don't actually have a vested interest in you as a people. Uh, he's saying they don't know you. They don't understand who they're talking to. And the second the things start going sideways, they're going to abandon you, because they don't actually love you. So Jesus here, he's pointing out that the voice that guides these people, the voices that guide them, are not good. And he's trying to demonstrate that he is the better voice that will guide them. And I wonder, like, how do we apply this to our day and age? Um, Because in in Jesus's day, there might have been one, like, really clear, loudest voice that was guiding people in terms of when we think about, like, how do I live a good life? But if you think about, like, our day and age, just think of, like, a normal day in your life. How many voices are there that are telling you this is how you should live the good life? I mean, something as simple as just, like, picking up your phone and opening it, there's, there's hundreds of voices screaming at you of, like, you need to do this thing in order to have a good life. I mean, you'll come into, things, into contact with things that will say, like, go to therapy, and you'll live a good life. Or search out the toxic people in your life, cut them out, and you'll live the good life. Or go to this particular kind of church, and you'll live the good life. Or avoid this particular kind of church, and you'll live the good life. Or do this particular spiritual discipline, and you'll have the good life. Or uh, you know, try to recognize all forms of oppression and root them out, and you will live the good life. Uh, What do all of these things have in common? All of these things are trying to give you a particular vision of what the good life is. And really what they're doing is they are calling you into worship. They're calling you into worship. They're calling you to sacrifice something on the altar so that you can have a better life. They're calling you to say no to something so that you get something in return. I wanted to read this quote with you, this next slide here. Uh, So this is from a guy named David Foster Wallace. Um, He was a a novelist and like kind of social commentator, um, passed away a couple years ago. But this is from a speech that he gave. uh, It was like a college graduation speech. Um, And so David Foster Wallace is not a Christian. Uh, He was an agnostic all of his life. And this is what he says. He says, in the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there is actually no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough. Never feel you have enough. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally plant you. Worship power, you will feel weak and afraid. And you will need ever more power over others to keep the fear at bay. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge verge of being found out, and so on. It's grim, right? Uh, What's he he saying? He's saying that there is this pattern in our life where like the voices that guide us, the things that we listen to, they they kind of have this ever-increasing demand on us with an ever-diminishing return. Think about that, like with anything that you really give your time to, anything that your mind goes to and that you obsess over, that you feel like you have to have in order to be okay, what's going to happen is that thing is going to demand more and more and more and more from you and give you less and less and less and less. And in calling himself the good shepherd, I think what Jesus is first and foremost doing is calling us to self-reflection and, and asking us to kind of ask the question of like, what are, what are the shepherds in your life? Like, what is guiding you? Or maybe another way to think of it, like, what in your life has the ability to make you say no to something that you really want? Like, what in your life can do that for you? Because that is something that you're worshiping. That's something that you're worshiping. And and I'd be willing to bet that it's the sort of thing that has that ever-increasing demand and ever-diminishing return. Where in your life do you feel that? That you're constantly pouring out and not getting enough back, right? That's a voice that's guiding you. So Jesus is is pointing out the voices that guide us, but he's not only doing that, he wants to tell us that he has a better voice, that he is the voice that we should listen to. So in contrast to the the hired hands that he calls the Pharisees, um, Jesus is the good shepherd. And I think an important thing to point out here, uh, that sometimes, like, as Christians, like when Christians talk about the gospel, I think we do so irresponsibly. Uh, we kind of explain away some things about Jesus. So uh, this is just an important thing. What Jesus is not saying here, he's not saying, uh, I am not a shepherd, right? Like the, the Pharisees are expecting you to do hard things. How dare they ever expect you to do hard things? I don't require anything of you. So you should just come to me. Um, that is not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is being very straightforward. Uh, he is calling himself a shepherd. What he's saying is, I do have a vision of the good life, that I want, I want you to follow me. And following me is going to be hard. Anyone in this room who's been a Christian for any amount of time will tell you, right, it's not always easy. A lot of times it's really difficult. And Jesus is very straightforward about that, right? He's saying, like, I am a shepherd. I am going to ask things of you. I am calling you to worship. I am calling you to do hard things. So he's not saying that he's not going to ask us to do things. What he is saying is that he is a different kind of shepherd. He's drawing contrast between himself and the voices that so often guide us. And what does that contrast, what does it kind of boil down to? Um, there's plenty of things that I could say here, but I just want to focus on what Jesus focuses on here. If you were paying attention while I was reading, you might have heard Jesus say that he lays down his life for the sheep several times. He says that five times in this passage. What does he mean by that? How does Jesus lay down his life? I think what he's doing here is he's pointing out that he has a different disposition toward us than all of the voices that guide us. He is saying that that there's something distinct about him, namely that he lays down his life. And he's saying there's no other voice in your life that guides you that's like that. So what does that look like for Jesus to lay down his life for you? Uh, I heard this story recently, uh, it's actually about um, some folks in St. Louis where I used to live, Um, but if you know anything about St. Louis, you know the Mississippi River runs like right through it, and it's pretty nasty, the river is, Uh, there's a lot of barges that go down it, and they they kind of bring a lot of silt with them, and it gets deposited on the side, Uh, and it can be pretty dangerous what gets deposited on the side, because it creates basically these like quicksand sinkholes. And so people can, like, fall into them, and it happens somewhat frequently that people will fall into them and die. Um, And I heard this story of these uh, two brothers. Uh, They were young kids, and they were told that they're not supposed to play on the banks of the Mississippi. Uh, Of course, they decide to go and play. Um, They go to play. They don't come back. They're gone for a long time, so there's a search party sent out to find these two brothers. And they look and they look and they look, and then finally— They find one of the brothers, and they see him, and he's in one of these sinkholes, basically up to his neck, and he's like passed out. And, you know, they get to him, and they they start to dig him out a little bit. They get him about halfway out. They kind of revive him, and like he starts talking, and they're like, are are you okay? He's like, I'm fine. They're like, where's your brother? And he says, well, I'm standing on his shoulders. See, what happened was he was playing in this area, The quicksand was going, he was falling down, and his brother dove into the quicksand, went down to the bottom, and put his brother on his shoulder so that his brother could have life. Y'all, that is what Jesus has done for us. That is the kind of shepherd that Jesus is. Jesus sees us in the quicksand of our sin and our misery, and he dove down into it, put us on his shoulders by laying down his life on the cross. And see, y'all, the difference between the voices that we are constantly listening to and the voice of Jesus is that Jesus' voice is like that brother who laid down his life. Jesus is the only one who puts himself on the altar for us. Every other voice in your life, every other thing is going to demand more and more of you and give you less and less. Jesus is the only one that will die for you. I just want to ask, like, isn't that a voice worth listening to? Isn't that a voice worth listening to, worth letting speak into your life, speaking into the places in your heart that you don't want to show other people? Isn't that the voice you want talking to you there? And what is this voice saying? Uh, Well, one thing that comes to mind is uh, this this beautiful passage in Matthew 11, where Jesus says, come to me, all all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. See, I love this because Jesus, he sees us, right? He sees us in the midst of listening to all of these different voices, in the midst of chasing after all of these things. And he comes to us, and he's like, I see you're tired. I see you're tired. It doesn't seem like it's going very well for you. Come to me. Come to me. And he doesn't just say, you know, come to me and stop. What, what he says is, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. And a yoke would have been like a burden that you would place on like a, an ox or something like that. He's saying, take that upon yourself and I'm going to send you back out. Jesus is not only giving us rest. He's actually empowering us to live a life that is beautiful. He not only just wants us to recover from all the terrible things that have been done to us. He wants to send us out. He wants to change us. He wants to give us the good life so that we actually look more and more like Jesus. Friends, Jesus is the best voice to listen to. And you'll find his voice in his word. He's a shepherd who knows you, who loves you, who gave his life for you, and he desires to give you the good life. Listen to him. Let's pray.